Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as members, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And when you sign up for Podgo, don't forget, Forgotten Cinema sent you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Season five begin. Nice. The season of the audience this is going to be a good one because oh, this is not yeah. a forgotten gem. Today we are doing Mike Field's favorite movie. No, that's incorrect. How do you let some guy talk to you like that? That's yeah. You never once did I smile. Never once did I laugh while I watched this movie with my mouth agape. I could actually feel my soul leave my body. Hello, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. As you may know already, each episode we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it's because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. But this season, we're not picking the movies. You, the audience, have selected our films. We're going to discuss what we love, like, or maybe not like, about your movie. But we thank you for sharing your passion for the film. And as always, we recommend that everyone revisits the movie we're talking about this week. Uh, maybe. You never know. You could discover your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please let everyone know by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And Butler, I thought Uptown Girls was tough. If you have listened to our previous episodes, which is a couple of weeks ago, we did Uptown Girls and we weren't really big fans of it. I think we have a new one. <laughs> this, uh... <laughs> This was a film, folks. This was a film. <laughs> this was made. <clears throat> so here's the thing. This was recommended to us by Stephen Christina Jr. from Super Retro Throwback Reviews. Uh, Stephen's a podcaster in the area, uh, and he he recommended this movie to us, and we watched it. Stephen, we were. You'll hear what we thought about it. And we like that you. We, we, I'm actually really, really interested to understand why you think this is forgotten. What you liked about this movie. So Stephen, why don't you take it away and let us know. Hello, my name is Stephen Christina. I am the host of the Super Retro Throwback Reviews audio podcast. I have selected folks for the Forgotten Cinema podcast to review for their audience choice. And the reason I selected folks was because if you think about it, if you walk, if you're a movie buff and you walk up to someone and say, have you seen folks? 95% of the people will say, what is folks? This is one of those forgotten gem movies that people don't even remember. They would have seen it in the theater and forgot about it five minutes later. Kind of like one of the characters in the film. I remember seeing this on Comedy Central back in the mid to late 90s, and I laughed my ass off at how one man trying to cope with moving his folks into his life can alter his life. If you think about it, it's one of those films that if you encounter this situation, put yourself in Tom Selleck's shoes. Also, this is a great movie. 
I enjoy this. And I put Forgotten Cinema up to the challenge because not a lot of people remember this film. Do you? Thank you, Forgotten Cinema, for finding this film and reviewing it. If you listen to this episode and you enjoy the review, find this film and check it out. I highly recommend it. That all being said, I'm Steven with Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Podcast. Thank you, guys. Take it away. I don't agree with any of that, to be honest. <laughs> those points are, listen, those points are valid. I want to just put this disclaimer out here once more, one more time. One more time. We are not right we are not wrong we have opinions they're not they may not be you know let they you may not agree with them and that is completely fine but we're never gonna i will never i want to say make fun but i'll never look down on somebody for liking a movie just because i don't like it so if it worked for uh, steven that's that's great I'm, I'm if it touched you in some way that is that is great it touched me in some way and it was bad it was a bad touching so we're gonna, we're talking about folks, and I say that loudly because it's with an exclamation point. Do you gotta have that exclamation you do, point? You do. It's fun, folks. Uh, let's let's just get into it. All right. So, folks is well. You know what, Butler? Tell everyone what this is about first, and then. All right. This is uh, undiscovered. This is just exasperated voices going on. I don't on really. Here. I don't really care. This is the. <laughs> this is IMDb synopsis of this quote unquote film. Uh, John has it all. Great job, beautiful wife and kids, and a dream house. But when his father, who is a little senile, burns his <laughs> house trailer down while his mother is in the hospital, John brings his parents to live with him. Soon his wife goes home to mother. Why, why stop him? Because that doesn't make any sense, but Just whatever. Say it. Soon his wife goes home to mother. He's fired for suspicion of insider trading. His sister and her unruly kids get booted out by her boyfriend and moves in. He's about to be evicted and his assets are frozen. How could things get any worse? <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> is, that, is that it? That's that's the synopsis. Yeah. That's pretty much that. What he said happens, not in that order, and it and it's very all over the place. But anyway, so any folks came out in on May first, nineteen ninety two. Wow, it's May first right now as we Woo. record this. It's our birthday. It is our birthday. Serendipitous. Happy birthday, Mike. Maybe that's why Stephen Christina chose he knew. this film. He knew. He knew. Good job. <laughs> Has a runtime of 107 minutes. It's rated PG-13. Production budget of $15 million. Opening weekend did $2.1 million. Domestic, $6.1. And then worldwide, $6.1. Uh, so it didn't make its money uh, back in any way. Yeah, exactly. Production company was Penta Pictures, distributed by 20th Century Fox, which I will say, it was nice to see the 20th Century Fox logo up and running i've never felt like the 20th century fox march was uh ushering me to my doom it <laughs> felt more like a funeral march at the time than any other time i it, heard it. it it was nice to see now it's, it's not called fox anymore it's just called 20th, 20th century, century yeah. yeah so like i said it came out the first of may came up against these fine films that i remembered zilch split second turtle beach live wire k2 leaving normal diary of a hitman Night on Earth, Who Shot Pat, which stars Sandra Bullock, <laughs> and The Linguini Incident. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the movies that came out against this movie. On May 8th, which was the week after, you had Criss Cross, not the hip-hop band, Wild Orchid 2, Two Shades of Blue. Mm. I saw Wild Orchid. Poison Ivy, that's one we remember. Mm-hmm. One False Move. And then Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even. And then the week before, on April 24th, you had White Sands, Year of the Comet, Passed Away. A Midnight Clear and the Playboys. I know Year of the Comet. 
I knew White Sands. There, there, one false move, obviously. That's with Bill Paxton. Yes, that's with Bill Paxton, right? Or Bill uh, Pullman? Uh, Whatever, one of the Bills. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing going on in this. Oh, directed by Ted Kotcheff. He also did Weekend at Bernie's, First Blood, and Switching Channels. Remember, I, I think a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the front page. Mm-hmm. This is Switching Channels is kind of like a remake of the front page. Okay. But you should really watch the front page. It's a great play, but the, the, the movie's really pretty much the play. It's a Walter Matthau. I know I suggested that one time before. Yes. I'm going to suggest it again. Put it on the list? No, I don't know if it's forgotten. Uh, you know what? It might be. That might be a good one for us to do. Okay. Written by Robert Klein. He did The Man with One Red Shoe, National Lampoon's European Vacation, and Weekend at Bernie's 1 and 2. Music by Michel Colombier. He did Man on Fire, The Golden Child, Against All Odds, Purple Rain, The Money Pit, How Stella Got Her Groove Back. He passed away in 2004. Cinematography by Larry Pizer. He did Mannequin 2 on the move. Everyone's Everyone loves that. Mr. and Mrs. Bridge, the proprietor. He also passed away in 2008. Produced by Victor Dre or Dry and Malcolm Harding. Uh, Victor did Weekend at Bernie's 1 and 2, which makes sense because there seems to be a lot of that going on in this movie. He also did an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn. And Harding produced Flight of the Navigator. I know we talked about that. Mm-hmm. He was also an assistant director on The Towering Inferno. Uh, Harding actually passed away in 1993, so a year after this movie was made. Edited by Joan Chapman. She did Bernie's, Weekend at Bernie's, Mannequin 2. And she also was assistant editor on Poltergeist 2, Witness, and Red Dawn. Starring Tom Selleck as John. Um, people probably know him now from the TV show Blue Bloods. People back in the day know him from the TV show Magnum P.I. Mm-hmm. He's also in In-N-Out, Three Men and a Baby, and Three Men and a Little Lady. He's also the voice uh, in Meet the Robinsons, an episode that we did. Uh, season two? One? One. Season that was season one. one. That was yep. our first uh, kid show. Yep. Episode 11. That's why I remember that. Nice. <laughs> nice. He was also almost Indiana Jones. Well, thank God he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Don, oh. well, listen, Don Amici is playing Harry that he's playing Tom, uh, excuse me, John's father. He won the Oscar for cocoon. He was in trading places. He was also in the 1943 version of heaven can wait. He's known for the story of Alexander Graham Bell, which is an older film as well. And he's also known a lot for Broadway shows and radio plays. So, and radio appearances and stuff like that. Uh, Danimichi uh, passed. This is like the second or third movie, his last movie, because he passed away in 93 as well. Ann Jackson plays Mildred, Harry's uh, wife and John's mother. She is the doctor from The Shining. That's pretty much the credit I figured everyone would know. She passed away in 2016. Christine Ebersole plays Arlene, the sister. She's from Wolf of Wall Street, True Crime, Amadeus, and the 94 movie Richie Rich. Wendy Crewson is Audrey. She plays John's wife. She's also the wife in Air Force One of the president, uh, Harrison Ford. Get ready for some Air Force One quotes. <laughs> the good son. She's the mother in Santa Claus. And she's born recently on the basis of sex. Michael Murphy plays Ed. He is the John's friend slash FBI. Not informant. Uh, FBI. Sting. Sting guy. Yeah. yeah. He's in Manhattan, Nashville. He, he was the mayor in Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. He's also in private parts. And then Robert Pastorelli plays Freddy. He plays like the doorman. And then he ends up becoming the boyfriend of, of, of the sister. Uh, he was an eraser. He's known as he's more notably known from the Murphy Brown TV show. He played the painter who worked worked at our house. Mm-hmm. He's also on the TV show Cracker, the remake of the BBC show Cracker, which starred the guy who plays Hagrid, Robbie Coltrane. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He passed away in two thousand four. And then I have some of the kids. Kevin Chevalier played Kevin, and he was he's in the two Homer Bow movies. So I don't know if uh, Elise recognized that she when did. you're watching she, the movie. Okay. She, she said Beethoven, but okay, I corrected. Joseph Wayne Miller played Jerry. He, I think he played one of the, the sister's kids. He was in heavyweights. That's it, though. 
And then a young John Favreau. Did you see him? I did as uh, the guy helping this, him get the suit. This is his first movie role. And I have congrats with a question mark because I don't know if I should be congratulating <laughs> that. All right. My note was get out. <laughs> so the only other um, the only other real factoid I have here is that this Tom Selleck was nominated for a Razzie Award. I have that note as well. But he lost to Stallone for Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Stop or My Mom Will Shoot is better. And that's 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 hard to say. It's Ooh, hard to say, but I had Stallone to bring it up Stallone and Estelle Getty. It's it's. A terrible, terrible movie, and yet this is still somehow. I don't understand how Tom Selleck didn't win. <laughs> this obvious movie is a critical and commercial failure, and I think it's unfair for us just to sit here and crap on it without kind of giving a reason why we're crapping on it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go right into it and and tell you why I think this movie just didn't work for me. I was watching it obviously, and I sent you my notes. I sent you pictures of my a notes, picture of the yeah, the, which the, had a lot of curse words in them, <laughs> and I um. I was reading stuff about, I wanted to read like some critics and stuff like that. And some of them, one of them stood out. I can't remember who it was. And I just remember what he had talked about. And it was that this movie try, it, they list this movie as a black comedy. Like it's supposed to be like this really dark, you know, comedy that you're not supposed to laugh at, but you're laughing at. Um, sure. I mean, yeah. Okay. But they try to also mix, they try to mix that with like a tenderness. Like they try to mix that with some drama and some feeling like, and and it doesn't work. Like you either have to go all the way or you can't go you, or you have, to, you know what I mean? It's like pick a, pick a lane, pick a genre. So, but the other thing that doesn't help this is that Tom Selleck's in a different movie. Like he's, he's not like there's, there's moments in this movie where it's, I don't understand how you don't understand there's something wrong with your father. And it, I don't understand how you, how you can't figure. I mean, I get it's supposed to be a black comedy and he's oblivious, but your first, when he shows up, and he goes and sits down in the in the trailer home, and he doesn't realize that that's it's his dad. Dad, and it's been eight years. And he does, uh, and he like doesn't realize that that's his own father. I mean, I I, I guess. How do you not know? First of all, if you haven't seen your father in eight years. He doesn't even know his grandchildren. He doesn't know his wife. But yet, Tom Tom Slick's supposed to go over there and be like all warm and fuzzy. Oh, hey, dad, nice. Like your character has to have had some kind of bad history with your parents. Yeah. You can't just start him off not having seen them in eight years or visit them. <laughs> Not even, no reason. not even dad. He might, I might, one of my notes here is that this whole movie is John chasing after his father yelling pop. Cause he must say pop. I know, no doubt 200 times in this film. Yeah. He says it constantly pop. Hey pop. What's up? Pop, 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 pop. Enough, enough. Like it was, it was infuriating. He kept saying it to be fair. I also call my dad. Pop yeah. But do you call months. it, do you, when you see your father in, mm-hmm. in the span of two hours, do you call him pop 50 times? Usually it's 52. 52. <laughs> well, then you're no better than this. Movie. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but I just, I, there, I'm trying to, I was trying to find something in this movie that I liked. And quite honestly, I, I, I didn't like any of the characters. They were very unlikable. No one's like, not even Tom Selleck, not even John is likable. John is unlikable. Not because he's like mean or, or he doesn't remember his father or anything like that, but just because he's so oblivious to the stuff around him that, the, the fact that his dad is clearly they call it see in this movie i texted mike while i'm watching this movie and i'm like do you like alzheimer's comedies because this is what this movie was it was like a comedy on alzheimer and they call it that he has senile dementia and i don't think they actually classified alzheimer's disease until like early 90s mid 90s mm-hmm. so they just said he had really bad senile dementia that's what they kept calling it they never said alzheimer's but it, he has alzheimer's and it's evident it's it's completely evident as soon as you see him as soon as he meets him and he keeps asking him, 
hey, you're here. Like he keeps repeating himself. Yeah, he doesn't know who his own son is. Right. Refrigerator doors open. Stuff's burning on the stove. Right. You give him the keys to the car. He fall like it just. These aren't normal things. No. It, these aren't these. I understand why Don Amici does this movie. I understand why, you know, it's it's a chance to because it, it, he's to be fair, Don Amici is the only one acting acting in this movie. That's he, he's he not. Is, goofy. He is. It's not. There are some choices I don't like with his character, but it's not his fault. It's it with the script demands in terms right. of some parts of it. Right. But yes, he is very good in the role. But it's the the cluelessness of John makes me not like him and not feel for him when later on and he's like, I'm supposed to laugh and be and and think it's hilarious that he keeps he keeps getting injured and losing toes and he loses the testicle at one point. And it I mean, I, I like dark comedies. I like black comedies. Like I like sub, subversive stuff that you're not supposed to laugh at, but you do. I oh, do. Yeah, yeah. And cause I was, I felt bad. I'm watching, I'm an hour in, I'm watching going, I, maybe I'm just, what am I not getting? And I think it goes back to what I talked about with that review where it's like, they try to do both. They don't, he doesn't know what movie he's in. They don't know what they're saying in terms of the, of, of everything. And, and even though you're doing a dark comedy and a black comedy, you're spot, you're, you're doing something that, you have characters that you're you shouldn't like, but you do. You still have to root for one of them. You still have to, even in like with antihero shows like Breaking Bad and and Mad Men. Like even though Don Draper is not a good guy, even though Walter White is not a good person, you still kind of root for them because you're like you're you're into them. You like them as a character. I don't like anybody in this movie. Their personalities as a are not interesting. They don't right. have any interesting personalities. You know, Harry and Mildred are are weird parents. They're just odd. They're not well, bad people. We haven't even gotten to the, the <laughs> go ahead, keep going. But we haven't even gotten to the weird one. John is not only is he oblivious, he's not a good guy. He doesn't see his parents. He is trying to he has another wife. He had another wife that was apparently a stripper beforehand. Or she was a dancer of sorts. And he didn't tell his wife about having this relationship. And it's like, so you had this other life. Meanwhile, you're sleeping in your kid's room because you've invited your parents to live with you and you're about to do it with them Thank three you. feet away. Thank you. That's not funny. And it's gross. Oh, but, they're asleep. Have you? Do you have kids? But every Did time, up? <laughs> but, but but listen, think about it. Every time he's with his wife, he's trying to bone her. Every single time he's trying to get yeah. with her. Every time. It's to the point where it's like, enough, dude. Do you have <laughs> some kind of other relationship with your wife than trying to get her in bed? Like, that's it. Nope, that's it. Every single, and, and then she, and obviously she's like, oh, and she falls around. Okay, fine, whatever. That's that's probably what they wanted her to do. But that but that's the president's wife. And you're not <laughs> but every time he's, he's, he's like mauling her and it's like enough already. It's, it's uncomfortable then his sister is obviously the worst she's not good kids are bad oh man and it's uh, just like they're she's a terrible terrible human being the kids are bad her, her kids are bad and the john's kids are okay but like that's it and the dog the dog just bites him for no reason yeah I, well, I, my note was like why do you why have this dog if it's just gonna constantly bite you that's actually just like biting your ankles it didn't just nip his ankles it's a full-on like See, werewolf it would bite. make more sense if his wife was mean to him he had no self-confidence and he allowed all this stuff to happen to him. And then at the end, he kind of get, you know, like just says enough's enough and straight, straightens out his life. But he already has quote unquote, his life straightened. Out. This is the thing. If you're going to go down that route and rewrite this movie, I'm not going to have I'm to toss the no. script in the garbage and light it on fire. You want to know, you want to know my note from the movie? You want to know my, 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 I wrote this in the facts column. Uh, never once did I smile. Never once did I laugh while I watched this movie with a, my mouth agape. I could actually feel 
my soul leave my body. And I know, I know we're trying to be nice and say that everybody can have their own opinion, but this honestly almost made me want to quit Forgotten Cinema. <laughs> this movie is that bad. There oh, is on. nothing. You would throw away a year of our you would throw away everything for this. Just for this. That someone can make a movie like this. This is one of those things where it's like sometimes I watch movies and I get so inspired, like, oh my God, yes, sure. this is why I try and try and try. And then I watch movies like this and it's like this got made. I have no chance. If you, people can make this movie. Not only did this well, two things. One, not only did this get made, it got it got a fifteen million dollar budget. I see that. Number Mike. number two, this a movie like this that you don't like, any movie that you really don't like that you say, How did that get made? should be a confidence boost to you. Like, they made this, they will definitely be able to make something I want to do. Like it's not about who you know. It's not about the it's not a lot of times it's about the content. Now, now granted, you have somebody who's coming off a weekend at Bernie's, which is a huge success. He also did first blood. I'm talking about the director, Kachev. So yeah, that made me sad when I saw that he did first blood. And it's like, ah, we did one more movie after this. Please. First blood's <laughs> the best one of all of them. I mean, I they all have their the I mean, you can say that first blood part two actually kind of started the Started the uh, the action the sure. started action movies, but well, yeah, it first became blood more, is a better story. Yeah, yeah. it's a better film. Yeah, the the first one's more. It's a film. Yeah, it's the the rest of them are just I don't want to say eye candy, but set pieces, movies, and just uh, blockbusters kind of right, thing. Because yeah. you know, I mean, listen, I don't have no problem when Sloan's in the uh, chopper going against the tank in Rambo Three. I mean, there's no problem there. I got, <laughs> I'm fine with that. But it's not First Blood, and and I even watched the last one. I told you I watched the last. I still gotta watch that. Mm, I just want to finish it up. No, here you got you completest. I got you. I got you. No, I, I get that. I understand that completely. I, I hate leaving things, you know, aside. Like I finished this movie. Good for you. Just, so I'm watching it, and I'm thinking I've got to be hour and a half, in. and <laughs> like I got to be almost done with this movie, which I think you had a similar thing I did. you texted me before. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I I pause to find out where we are in the movie because it seems like the storyline's <laughs> about to change, and I look, and I'm only an hour and one minute into this yeah, film, yeah. and this is five to ten minutes after I texted you that I must have been about an hour and a half yeah. in the movie. And I was so angry because <laughs> uh, the fact that this has so many plot points that they don't even get into. But let me let me go back kind of about that. Let me go back to Harry's character, the, oh, the father. Okay. How I talk about his choice. I Because I mentioned that, you know, there's choices I don't like. It's an hour, literally an hour and one minute into the movie. All of a sudden, Harry gets all his marbles into his head oh, for no man, reason I, uh, and gives this big speech to John because he sees that John's like, I'm sorry. You're in, I, and I get that there are moments of clarity when you have dementia or Alzheimer's. I understand that. Right. But this is the only moment in the entire fucking movie where he just goes, goes, John, I just want you to know, you know, I'm sorry. I want you to end my life. John, I, uh, it's this huge emotional moment in a movie that has been dumb stupid slapstick like you said it's supposed to be a dark comedy but it's not it's only dark in the fact that the content is inappropriate and and just doesn't and I, work I, and i'm fine with inappropriate me too right but it doesn't work right right it's he's that and then when he tells john kill me and then that turned this then all of a sudden you have this other plot point that pops up where now they spend the last 30 to 40 minutes of the movie Trying to kill his parents. No, no, because no. you wait another twenty five minutes okay, before right. it comes back around again. Right, when the that's mom true. That's true. It. But but and then the mother's and she like, does yeah. it in a slapstick, stupid, funny yeah, way. Yeah, I, and, and then but, he falls out the roof halfway through as well for no reason. How about okay? So they they try the first time, and what was the first thing they do? They tell him to, to drive, right? And they cause the accident. Drive through the thing. So he puts him in the car, and he's like, "Go ahead, Dad, drive your car." And he drives purposely on the wrong way of the highway, or he's just assuming that that's what his father's going to do. And he's assuming that they're going to die. And they don't die, but they cause like this 40 car pile up. I noticed all those poor cars died for this movie. I know. And but but here's the thing. 
I get that they're like, oh, poor old guy. That guy should be arrested. It's still a crime what he did. He he's no, it's endangering. It's a black comedy. It's a slapstick. It's so, so the second thing they do is he drives him to, I guess, quote unquote, the inner city oh, in Chicago. I didn't even want to. I have a note about. No, it. I'm going to. I'm going there. It. I'm going there. <laughs> Because it was just like, this will be fine. So they pull up and you just see this, like, it's like a gang, like a bicycle gang. And they're all, you know, black men. They're all, and so it's clearly, it's like, oh yeah, that's great. Classic. Not, not racist at all, jerks. It's like, come on. And like, these guys will kill us. We'll be fine. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I get it. Like, you're, you're trying to say you're going to a rough part of town. And so the assumption is you just drop two old people off and these these people are just going to, oh, you know what? There's two old people there. Let's kill them, guys. Hey, I mean, that's ridiculous. And then. And you knew what was going to happen next. You yep. knew that they were going to be in this, like, they were in a jazz bar. Jazz bar. And, they were and oh, this is so good. Oh, yeah. my mother made it. It's like, it's like, come on. First of all, I think they were in the jazz bar from Adventures of Babysitting. But other than that, it's just, come on. It's so. Well, how about the line when they get back home? Who knew that they they were oh, like that now? I know. God. Things have really changed. So, so, like, that's not dark comedy. That's just stupidly ignorant and stupidly inappropriate and just not funny. I mean, you'd be like, it was 1992, but I'm sorry, even in 1992, that was not appropriate. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the early nineties. Trust me. That's not how anybody acted. Well, people I hung out with at least, but that's just, it's like, that's like, this will be a cheap laugh. And it's not, it's not funny at all. And it, that upset me. It upset me on two levels. One, just obviously the, the societal level, but two, what what somebody sat there and thought that this would be like a writer, the director, like they just were like, yeah, this will be good. This will work. This will be funny. No, no, no. And that goes another thing to say to John. So at the end, John finally cares that his parents are going to die. Yeah. But he tries to kill him four or five times uh, and like pretends to be sad. And, yeah. Oh, God. What are they doing? Oh. He's again, he is unlike John is unlikable because. He doesn't have any kind of focus in terms of just not I shouldn't not his not like his character has no focus. He's 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 in a different movie. He's whiny. He is obtuse to anything that's going on there. He doesn't get it that his dad has a problem. Then he gets it. And it's like he puts up these pictures up all all, all along the house. Like, here you go. Dad. First of all, he just got up at 2 a.m. They were just making out. He's trying to make out with his wife inappropriately. Of course, his father catches them. He wakes up. This is still to the same night. Talks to his father. Then he goes off and he he designs these photos, color pictures, mind you. Color laminated color pictures. Color laminated pictures. So now we're supposed to believe. 1992. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I never see an office in his house, but then he puts them everywhere. City, you want to go here? And it, this, mind you, this is all in the middle of the night. So it, that would not take a half hour. He'd be, it'd be morning by the time he'd be doing all that stuff. So regardless of that. You know how John, long things took to print in 1992? And they'd all have that side paper that you had to take off mm -hmm. to? John has no focus in terms of his character. And again, like I said, that's why it ma that's what makes him unlikable is that he just he doesn't understand the world around him. And then at the end, when he's like comatose and everyone has left him, his wife, quote unquote, has left him. But she's just left with the kids to kind of I don't know why. Till he figures stuff. You out, know what? Yeah. You know why she left? So that they can bring the sister in. And the sister moves in. The sister's hanging out with the doorman who's a complete jerk off now. And he's laying there and like that's. If there's any kind of comment on this movie, it's Tom Selleck uh, in bandages all over, just laying in his middle of his room. Man right. And his mother having the same uh, ignorant, obtuse nature that he has. And he's just kind of like, like, we're supposed like, I don't feel bad for him. I don't. I'm, I, it just annoys me. It all annoys me. I just so that's his reason. The daughter is just full blown mean, full like 
she's, selfish. She's the bitch. I, I'm talking more. I say the daughter. I meant the sister. The sister. Yeah. She's she's selfish. She's complete. There's nothing. She's repugnant. She's and, not good with her kids. She's bad for her kids. And she's, so I want just to follow this writing. Okay. So I want you to follow this. So he. What ends up happening is that. They do. A, they have a subplot with the FBI is investigating where John works. That goes nowhere, and that, that it does. It go. It, it ends like it, you see. Like it's supposed to be in the beginning. Like it's supposed to be some big thing. Like the father burns down his place, and they think that that John did it because to, a laptop and a right, disc that they needed right. was on there. But then the next time you see him, this is his friend Ed. And the next time you see him, Ed's like, "Oh man, don't worry, you're good." Like it's it goes away. Then they want him to wear a wire, but then that goes away. Then he sets Ed up with his sister because he's like, oh, you deserve each other because he's like going to tell he's trying to get him back by setting him up with his sister. So, OK, fine. John's trying to get revenge on both of them, putting them together because they'll be miserable. Quote unquote. That's what he says. Now, her kids are disgusting. Her kids are like mean. They're jerks. I mean, I don't know how he didn't smack, smack them. They're cursing, whatever. Oh, man, I would have. Yeah. yeah. The end of the movie. The end of the movie, the sister's leaving. They, they, they bought this country house, this idyllic country house somewhere, which they don't ever explain. It looks exactly like the house from Looper, by the way. Oh, the you're right. Looper. It does. They buy this house. The sister's getting married now to the FBI guy, Ed. And at the last thing, she's like, you know, I'm getting married. Oh, okay. And he's like, oh, you deserve each other. Like, like he's like, John's getting that one little yeah. dig in there. They get in the car and you see the kids are all screaming. And the guy turns around. And he's like, how about military school, boys? And they all shut up. And she's like, ooh, he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll straighten them out. So clearly, no. See, you they're didn't. Have you, a happy ending. Right. You, they're going to have a happy ending because so you so as the writer, as the people that are creating this, this, this script, you were trying to get John a win and you didn't. You gave it a win to somebody to a supporting character who nobody likes, who nobody likes. And you've given the win to her. That doesn't make that to me. That means you didn't think about what you were doing. You just went for some kind of quick joke, which is the whole movie going for quick jokes at, at the expense of, of a story, which is not there. I'm I'm angry now, but McDonald. <laughs> just how about that, that plot line? See, that's what that's what bugs me. That's what bugs me about a, when we watch movies or when we me and you watch a movie. We're watching a movie on our own. What gets to me is not I may not like a movie because it's just I didn't understand it or I didn't get it or I didn't like acting choices. And we've gone through all that stuff. Even you know, as Stephen recommended this movie, he likes this movie for a certain reason. And I'm not I, what I'm saying does not discount that. That is his opinion. That's great, great. But what bugs me about when I watch movies and what really gets under my skin is when it's clear, there's a clear lack of focus and understanding of the story you're telling and it shows and it, it bothers me because if you are not going to bother to create something worth watching, why should I be nice when I want? Why should I? Why should I watch it? Why should I enjoy it? If you're if you're just going to kind of go through the motions and say, oh, this is fun, this is that bugs me. That bugs me immensely when when. If you if you made a movie, Mike, and did a short film mm -hmm. and you said, hey, Field, I did this film. Um, I wrote this script. But you know what? I wasn't real happy. I really didn't care. I just I kind of sat there. I, just, I don't care what happened. I threw it together. Let me know what you think. Why would I want to? Why would I give you an honest opinion? I'd be telling you it sucks. If you didn't put the effort into making this short film. Oh, absolutely. Why would I? I'm not going to sit here and give you a, a not a glowing review, but kind of give you a more concerted kind of feedback and constructive criticism. I already I'll, told you that it sucks. Right. right. I would just tell you it sucks. Quit. So I that bugs me. It bugs me when there's no focus and no energy behind the creation of a movie. Why should I give it back? I'm going to get off the soapbox because I've been talking too long. <laughs> <laughs> so how about after uh, Harry drives the car and he drives the car backwards, backwards, right. destroys the entire retirement community. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, that's also another, you know, you're responsible for that. Right. Clearly, he stops before he goes into the river. 
The Cadillac stops before it goes in the river. And they fly John off. goes flying off, right. goes into the water. Harry's sitting there and goes, oh, you're right. Turns like a dime or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Next shot, the Cadillac is in the river submerged. It wasn't in the river. <laughs> Harry flew, John flew off. Now all of a sudden it's, it's soaked and then you're driving it back. Somehow it's okay. I'm yeah. sorry. When it goes that deep into the river, your car is done. It's, yeah. it's gone. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money that John has to spend here to to he's got to yeah. repair those damages. How much does he make? Well, here's the other thing. How about when he first goes down there, the mother's having a surgery. Right. And he goes to that and he and he goes to pay with the card and then he gets back she's like, "No, now mind you, he's supposed to be on the up and up." Right. She's like, "Oh, your card was declined." He's like, "It really it was the company card." I'm sorry. You're paying for your mother's surgery on the company card. My wife said this when she was watching it with me. You're you're paying with a company card? That's fraud. So don't tell me that you're on the up and up with your trades when you just tried to pay for an expensive surgery <laughs> with, with your company card. Uh, so Jody watched this with you? She watched the, well, I started it because we've been watching um, in, in our time of being staying home and staying safe and alone together and all that good stuff. We've been watching Cheers. We're rewatching Cheers. Mm -hmm. She has never seen it. I have seen it. So I'm rewatching it. She's watching it for the first time. And then when about 10 o'clock, 1030, she gets tired. And then I'm just like, well, I need to watch this movie. So I popped it in. So yeah. she was watching a little bit of it. And she was just like, I'm going to bed. She like, she, right, like, she doesn't really watch a lot of the movies with me. She was just there. At least it's the same way. She was like, first of all, I told her how bad you, you thought it was. She's like, I don't know if I want to watch this with you. But she was getting tired. So I said the same thing. I was like, I'm not waiting till 1 a.m. to watch this movie. I can't. Yeah. I, I got to watch this. I'd rather watch this now. And she's like, that's fine. And then she stayed up and watching her. She had the same reaction. Mouth agape eyes blinking like she couldn't understand why this movie was made and why any of the choices were happening to the point where once they got back to Chicago and Harry took the kids across the street and it was played for like it was played like oh man oh no but it was also kind of played for laughs she's just like I don't yeah. I'm done I, yeah. I'm going to bed I'm yeah. sorry don't kill, like she's like should I hide the silver I was like anything hard any sharp objects <laughs> you need to baby proof any of the outlets because I can't be trusted right now the um uh, Tom Selleck doesn't have a really great track record with picking movies. It, his movie, his movie career is very like, very spotty, very spotty. And I'm surprised that this, I wonder either this pushed him towards TV more because I'm pretty sure when was he started doing his run on friends in, in the nineties. That's like the late nineties. Yeah. But I still, I mean like, cause he, he, everyone knows uh, we talked about it, he's blue buzz was on for 10 years. I don't, it's still on. I don't watch it, but I think um, it's less. Yeah. But I've never got into it. Procedurals are tough. You have to. You have it's to, a CBS show, man. I'm I'm 20 years removed from. CBS. Oh come on, man! I liked Elementary. That was good. I'm sorry, dude. No, you should watch Elementary. It's good. Elementary is good. Elementary is good. There's two shows I watch from CBS. Okay, or three. Are you talking about CBS All watch, Access now? CBS All Access. I watch Star Trek. Yeah, and then uh, in CBS, I watch How I Met Your Mother. Most <sighs> of the shows on CBS are not geared toward people in my age. Bracket. How I Met Your Mother is geared towards your age bracket. That's exactly why I watched it. Do you watch there are very few things that are? Have you ever seen the one on the one with Mark Cherry does in CBS All Access with um, uh, she's from Elementary where they're like they're Heather Killer Wives or something or like Clear Husbands or something like that. No, I've I've, I've it's I've, got good reviews. Yeah, I wanted I to see it. I wanted to see that, but um, I just haven't had the chance. I don't I don't watch Picard or anything like that. I do watch Discovery, so that that's. Uh, did you watch Next Gen? No, no, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I probably Picard. wouldn't get into Picard. Yeah. I watched. I've seen episodes of Next Generation, but I never was. I never was into it. Picard's a bit of a deep dive. That's well, not fine. super I deep dive, that. but it's also nah, more. I mean, I don't mind. Ethereal, I, I yeah. watch the movies. The movies are fine. I, yeah. I, I, I'm always been a Star Trek movie guy more than a TV show guy until Discovery. But Discovery. But I also watched what, Enterprise, the one with Scott Bakula. Enterprise, yeah. yeah. 
I watched that one because I was a Quantum Leap guy. So that's probably why, that's why I watched that. But yeah, where were we? <laughs> we're talking about how bad this movie is. Oh, no, Tom Selleck. <laughs> so yeah, so he obviously does Blue Buzz and Magnum P.I. He's a more, I think he's a better TV star. I think he, I just, not that he can't do a movie. I just don't think he, he's a very, Three Men and a, three men and a Baby and Three Men and a Little Lady are great. He's good in that. I think they're funny. He's got a certain way of acting that works for some characters and doesn't work for a lot of characters. He's great in In and Out. He's great in Magnum PI as the kind of hero, but he's I'm, got I this, was trying to talk about movies, but yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I get what you're saying. I just talk about his acting style in general is very I mean, he's a big guy. Like he towers over pretty much everybody. And and but he he's not a big guy in terms of his voice. True. His voice is very oh, I could yeah, I could I could do like that's kind of his sure, acting style. Sure. So you, and you can see that a bit like you talk about thank God he wasn't Indiana Jones, but I don't know if you've seen the special features on your Indiana Jones Blu-ray where they have his screen test. Oh, do they? And he's a very Magnum PIE. That's just how he plays a lot of his characters. And even his characters, like I've seen scenes of him on Blue Bloods, and I've seen obviously the ones he's done a ton of westerns. Quickly down under. Right. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, This is it. I got this. Yeah. And it's it's there's not a lot of He's more serious in Blue Bloods, right? He is more serious in Blue Bloods, but it's it's more of this dourness. Mm-hmm. I really feel like he plays just kind of happy. Yeah. He's just okay with everything. Right. No matter what. And even in this movie, he's always okay with everything. And that's fine. No matter no, what. No, that's not fine for this movie, but yes. yes. That and that's his thing. Fine. And that's fine because Magnum P.I. is awesome. Right. And it's because he's this noir type detective, but he's got this positive, Charm. upbeat, charming yeah. attitude. Yep. And that's fine. And Magnum P.I. is fantastic. It does not work for this movie. This is not the character you want in a black comedy, especially a character that's clearly just not a good person. And they need to play that up more. Right. They should make he should have been more. Uh, you know what? I don't want to. Well, he should have been more. Selfish, like the daughter, the sister, almost. He should have been. And then he maybe he, he learned his lesson or maybe he just lost everything. You should end. have either yeah, way. The sister should have been the could have been the main character. Or his self, that, that kind of selfish behavior. And then everyone else, she, and then have like, so let's say he's as selfish as the sister, but the sister is, is someone who always is like, I mean, she's down in Florida. So you have to assume that she was checking in on the parents, but then I guess she's not. But, it, but it she makes, claims that she was. Yeah. I don't get how she. <sighs> then he hasn't seen yeah. him in eight years, but he's supposed to be the nice son who loves his, his parents. Didn't even invite him to the wedding. Hasn't even met the grandkids. Yeah. And you're supposed to believe this is a nice guy. And also, he says that um, he's 40 in this movie. Is that what he says? That she's 35. And you're not 35. You're older than me. I'm 40. You're not 40 in this movie, Tom Selleck. I'm sorry. You're 40 something. You're not 40. I don't know how old he is. I didn't check his birthday. I didn't either. But I know. I mean, I know people age differently back then. But (laughs) you're not. You're not 40, Tom Selleck. I'm sorry. And also. Before the preservatives. I like I like your note. Um, first of all, my first note about this movie when it started was a Tom Selleck without a mustache is no Tom Selleck at all. But I like your note that the the mustache was just smart enough not to sign for this movie. <laughs> uh, no, I read said he shaved his mustache for this movie. Oh, well, he's probably trying to separate himself from Magnum. Probably trying to separate. He does that every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. He'll shave the mustache. He shaved like, it for he when he was in Friends. I think he shaved it once. That they didn't have it or something like I that. I didn't think he. I don't think he shaved it for Friends, but they brought it up during the movie. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, during the show, yeah, yep. Uh, it, it's these are tough. I mean, these are these are again. 
I'm going to say, I've said this every, I think I probably said this every episode that we've done these for audience choice. I like that. We don't, I really, I still like that. We didn't pick the movies. No, I, you know what I mean? It is nice that we did. Cause we wouldn't have picked a movie that we both hate like this. No, not at all. We didn't know that we don't like this movie because it's our forgotten film. Not, so. not at all. And it's important to understand again. I think my biggest, and I I know I'm not going to get back on that soapbox, but that's my biggest kind of issue with the movie is there seems to be a lack of just interest or focus or whatever it is, whatever the word you want to use going into making the movie. And that's always gets under my skin because then I, I don't like, I cannot like a movie like the like uh, extraction. Okay. I, I extraction was okay. That's the Chris Hemsworth movie. I mm-hmm. talked about earlier with yep. Netflix. It was fine. It, it, it was the bad guys, a little cliche. There's some stuff I was like, eh, but it's obviously well-made. The action's good. The action works. It's a little John Wick, which is fine. I don't mind if you're going to take from John Wick in terms of the gunplay and stuff that's, like that. If that's the future of action movies, that's fine. That's fine. It's uh, like The Matrix. I, Everything was The Matrix. Right. But again, obviously a lot went into the making of that movie. And mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. Regardless of if I like something or I didn't like it, it's still a well, it's still, it was done with care. This movie just doesn't seem that's the, like the case. And, and that's what bugged me a lot about it. And this is the first draft of a movie. That never went through. I don't know, drafts. man. I, I can't. I mean, when was Weekend at Bernie's? When did that come out? That was in eighty nine. Eighty nine. So my right? guess is he comes right after, right out of that. They, the studio wants another hit. Same director, same writer. Make me something else. I'm sure that. Oh, you think script. they sold? Oh, I maybe. Think he just. They asked them real quick. Get me something else. He has this movie, folks. He hasn't written a second draft, a third draft, a fourth draft. Just uh, this is it. Eighty nine. Yep. Best they do, they make a shooting script. Spell check it. <laughs> Add the scene numbers and that's about it. That's the only excuse for this movie because there's so many plot lines that go everywhere. The characters are not well thought out. I mean, we've talked about it before. When you're doing a movie, you break down the characters. Where was this character from? What's their past? Like you, You've done that when you've written. Yeah. You break down your characters. This, this character of John Aldridge makes no sense whatsoever. Right. When I'm writing, I'll go through, you're like, oh, you got to do rewrites. You got to do rewrites. But I will do a rewrite where I go through character arc rewrites where it's just not, they're not all, not everyone has to have an overall arc for all 120 pages, but I try to give each character that's important to the story or that's, uh, that's somebody that you've invested in an arc, a mini arc. Like, okay, what are they actually, are they here just to deliver exposition dialogue or are they here actually because they're going to have some kind of influence right. on the story? So that's one of the, one of the rewrites I go through in a script is just a character arc rewrite. Uh, agreed. So, Exactly. What are these people doing in this movie? You know, what is John doing? What is he supposed to do? I, I think that he's like, again, a dark comedy. You have, you still have to have somebody that the audience has to relate to. And if we're supposed to all relate to Don Amici, I don't know how a younger audience is going to relate to somebody who's going through the, the struggles of Alzheimer's disease. It's just it's not something unless you unless you experience it personally with somebody. What struggles? I, yeah, I know what you mean. I know it's played for laughs for, for two seconds. He's it's pl- not struggling. It's played for laughs. And I don't. He's an offensive Mr. Mag- a more <laughs> offensive Mr. McGill. And that's that's it. It's it's definitely played for laughs, whether that's appropriate or not appropriate. I think that has to do with your sensibility. It's just that it's not even funny slapstick. It's all it's slapstick not. that has been right. done before. And I can understand. And obviously, when Stephen Christina Jr., when he he said his bit, we we record this before we oh, get the yeah, recording, this, so yeah. we don't know right. what he said. Right. But 1992, I think he's a little younger than me. So. Oh, maybe. I can understand if I'm watching this when I'm four and it's on TV. My parents obviously don't know what I'm watching because I, I don't think they should make me watch this, but whatever. You're going to watch. Let's, you don't eat your vegetables tonight. You're watching. Folks. <laughs> so he's watching this at three or four and, you know, 
Tom Selleck hits his balls on the the pipe and gets That's, his testicle removed. I get that. <laughs> oh, wow. sure. I would have chuckled too. Sure. But now I'm in my 30s and I'm watching this for the first time and it is not funny. And you always tell me, you know, I just edited. So I married an axe murder. We talk about that's that's how far ahead we do these. <laughs> that's out now. Yeah. And we're recording this for for 10 weeks from now. <laughs> that's right, baby. Oh, yeah. Head of the game. So when I, we do that, I we talk about early 90s movies. Oh, Meteor Man came out before Ooh. after. So I met him. Axe murder, and I right. mentioned that I liked that movie because I was four or five when that sure. came out. Yep. And you're like, watch it again. And I said, no, because I don't want to ruin it in my head. And maybe he has not watched this movie since he watched it the mm-hmm. first time. But it is, I, I can't believe this has a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> I can't believe it's that high. And I don't think there are many movies where I've ever thought that. Usually I'm like, oh, wow. It, I mean, it wasn't the worst. And I'm almost always the first to, like, when you attack movies, I'm almost the, always the first to go, that's not the, it, it's not that bad. But. Oh, this is it's so I, I can't. It's a tough watch. I, it's, it's a real oh tough watch. Oh my god. It's I, I agree with you. This makes Uptown Girls look like a best picture nominee. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. It's a tough it's a tough watch. It, and and maybe there's there's some truth in the movies that are you watch older. I'm gonna give you some example of because you you brought up Meteor Man. So everyone loves the never ending story. And I don't mind the, the never ending never story. Ending but story. when I watched, but when I when I watched when I was younger, everyone try, cries when the horse dies and all that stuff. Yeah, and, I can't watch it. Right, <laughs> the horse is alive at the end. Anyways, that's um, a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> but like when I watched it, I didn't watch it recently. This is like 15 years ago, maybe. When I watched it when I was older, probably your age, I found it boring. I was really bored. But that didn't shade me from what I liked about the movie when I was younger, mm-hmm. it just was like, obviously my sensibilities now, you know, are different than they were when I watched it when I was younger. And it yeah, happens yeah. with all movies. It happens with, there's very few movies that stand the test of time that you will just always love. I can watch Raiders of the Lost Ark on a dime. doesn't matter. Oh, I don't, yeah. and, and I like, I like everything. Cause there's always things in there that I like watching. I don't ever get bored. The hype machine. when people start talking about how like, this is the best thing I've ever seen, it's the best thing I've ever, it's like, you can't just throw that around like that all the time because it's not because even the movies that you really love are, there's something in there that you're not going to like 10 years from now, but there's very few movies that you can watch at age 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, where it's, it's the same. Yep. There are very few movies and it, it's different for different people. But there's very few movies that are like that. And to just kind of keep saying that movies are the best. This is this. This is the greatest. This is the great. I've never seen anything else in my life. It'll never be. That's a little bit too much. Well, that's what I think is interesting. Because while you say that, I'm thinking about when we were we were on uh, Super Retro Throwback Reviews yeah. to do our top 10 lists of the, the decade. Yeah. And I'm thinking now it's like even six months removed from Once Upon a Time on Hollywood, which yeah. we both listed as our tops. Would that still be our tops? Or like you said during that episode plug for a super retro throwback reviews is that is that shaded by the fact that we had just seen it but but we also had Everything not kind of fades at we, that point. we also had not seen 1917 remember that is true. we had because seen that, yeah. we had not seen that and i watched it before you when i was like you have to watch this movie it's it's awesome yeah and i have not seen the movie since then and that could change when i watch it but i remember thinking crap that might have been i might have put that in that list because we because so and i and I, we yeah. said that on the on the show I said, we haven't seen some of these movies yet, so it's really tough to kind of do this. But yeah, yeah I honestly, I think our top 10 would change. And I think I said it on that episode. You like, did. That's what you said. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was thinking about why you're saying that. It's like even six months removed removed from that, I don't think I'd have that on there. In fact, I think on my list would be different right now. Yeah. And it's like, that's how far removed you can be from watching something like Folks at Four. True. And just graduating up and like just realizing 
Wow. <laughs> There's nothing really. All right, hold on. You made you made us do this. You made me do this for Uptown Girls. Okay. I want you to tell me one thing that you enjoyed about this movie. Okay. I, and not just like it was okay. One thing you enjoyed about this movie. What I enjoyed about this movie was that was that um hang on. What I enjoyed about this movie was that Wendy Crusoe was in it. And that reminded me that she was in Air Force One. And that reminded me of I love that line where he's like, get off my plane. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I liked about this movie. You help me get this out. I'll make you postmaster. That's <laughs> I got to tell you that. So now we're going to talk about Air Force One because I like Air Force One a lot. But they're that the one scene in Air Force One, which I cannot stand. Is when she's on the parachute, the woman that sends the facts, and she's smiling. That's the postmaster general. And she's like, right what are you smiling about? You have not landed yet. <laughs> also, you witnessed like a, a lot of your friends die. But then that scene also reminds you of the scene in Top Secret when they jump out of the plane and they're kissing and they have the fireplaces on the parachute as well behind them. <laughs> no, no, sorry. So that, that, as I've now made the leap from folks to Air Force One to Top Secret. Everybody had a surfboard <laughs> and a 12 gauge. Okay, I'm done. In all seriousness, in this movie in and of itself, let me go through my notes. I like that I saw John Favreau. <laughs> um, I don't know. Mm. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. That is me thinking. Um, that the doorman looked like he came from the Lost Boy set. I thought the doorman looked like Tom Sizemore for a, a quick second. I was like, Tom Size? No, never mind. Stole my look. <laughs> <sighs> no, I got nothing. I can't. I can't. I need th- you to give me something. Something that I enjoyed. Something that you you didn't have to enjoy. I don't, it, but I, you I enjoyed it. seeing. I enjoyed Don Amici. I enjoyed seeing him. I mean, everyone. That's funny because he has such a a storied career, and then in the forties. And then like he's completely totally forgotten about like for 30 years and he's doing like radio and Broadway. And I'm talking when I say forgotten about, I mean like on screen mm-hmm. on, and boom. And then he does cocoon and his career takes off again. It's just, it's amazing that, that I, I guarantee you nobody my age knows him. I mean, I'm, trust me, I'm not watching 40s movies all the time, but nobody's my age only knows him probably from cocoon. Yeah. Not from what he was back there are in the a lot 40s. Of actors like yeah. that. You know them as the older sure. versions of themselves. It was good seeing Don Amici again. You know, the 80s have a like you see Don Amici and um Hume Cronin, Jessica, Jessica Tandy, all the people from Cocoon, Wolfer Burnley, and like they're just they start filtering. You see them now in all the 80s films because they were such a big hit. Right. Like Cocoon was so big and huge. And uh, then they started you've seen them get more roles, you know. So it, that's always cool. But that's that's pretty much it, man. I, <laughs> the Air Force One thing is what I like the most because I love that movie. Like I said, my biggest problem is just I just felt like there was no interest in making this movie palpable for anybody. I think they wanted quick jokes. I thought they thought stuff was funny. John's character, he's supposed to be the one we're supposed John is supposed to be the one that we all are supposed to relate to in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he's just really unlikable because he's a buffoon and he's not a lovable buffoon. He's a, he's an ignorant idiot buffoon. And that's, it's really tough to kind of latch onto him and be like, Oh, we hope John break gets through this. Oh, it's not, he can't. It really bothers me at the end of the movie that he gets rewarded with all that money. Yeah, but you saw that coming. You yeah. know, and I guess that's, but then the, the dog starts eating it and everybody like throws it outside. All right. So maybe the money's going to disappear. 
because he's learned his lesson. It's not about the money. It's about having that family. Lesson learned. He's got a house. He's fine. He might be scraping by, but he's got what he needs. And then, no, here's $55 million. But they move. I don't know where they live. They must live outside the city because they're going to take the train in, back. In the, the plains? They're, just, they're like in a giant house on the plains. Yeah. We're farmers. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of farmland in there outside of Chicago. Well, Stephen, thanks for recommending this movie. Um, thanks for you know listening and being a fan of Forgotten Cinema. Hopefully you still stay a fan. I apologize if, if we were too rough. Um, but hey, you know. Opinions are like, you know what? Everyone's got them. So uh, we do. We we I and I and sincere when I say thank you for suggesting it. Thank you for I was I should say this. Stephen wanted to do us uh, to do the dream team, which I like with Michael Keaton from mm-hmm. the night uh, from the 80s. Right. Um, and Peter Boyle. And I, and he, but he wants to be a guest. And we're just not we're not really ready to do guests yet. You know, we've had a couple, but we were able to do that at the theater. But we're like not. We're not in the theater right now, obviously, because right, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're quarantined, all that nonsense. So we really don't have the capabilities to do it. So I didn't want to waste that movie without Steven to be there because he wanted to do it. So right. I said, well, pick another. So he picked this one. So to be fair, this wasn't his first choice. His first, first choice yeah. was the Dream Team, which I I will tell you right now, I like the Dream Team. So that will be a lot better of a, of a show. And we will get to it. I told him we marked it. We wrote it down. We're not going to do it until we are able to. Do guests yeah. and we'll have. And I liked all his top ten choices. When oh, absolutely, we were on there. His absolutely. Top ten choices. We, please so don't. Nothing about his taste in film. Please don't hate us. <laughs> <laughs> but again, thank you, thank you for suggesting it. It did make for an interesting, fun episode. Oh, they absolutely. Have done an episode like this without audience right. choice. Listen, it, it it's a little. It does get a little stale when we both love them. We both love the movies. Well, we so, don't yeah. always, but yeah, one you of know, us. I, will I hear you. Yeah, enjoys parts of it. So next week, we're going to come back. We've got three more episodes to go for season five for our, for our audience choice season. And next week, we're doing the movie Go, uh, which was with uh, Katie Holmes, uh, Sarah Polly, Timothy Oliphant. Do you remember Go? Nope. You never saw it? Nope. You're going to like Go. I think you're going <laughs> to like it. But it's like an early 90s, all these up and coming actors and actresses and stuff like that. So you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's got like three different vignette stories. It, this was suggested to us uh, by Andrew Morgan, who's obviously a friend of the show from the Nomcast. We've been on his show a bunch of times. Uh, so he he suggested this movie. So that'll be our episode next week. And uh, Mike, tell everyone where they can, uh, I don't know, find us. <laughs> so if you guys like what you're hearing or you guys want to hear us talk about movies that we are a little more kind to, it's a little <laughs> bit different than our normal format. Uh, you can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com where we have all our past episodes as, lo- as well as links to our social media where you can find us at Forgotten Cinema Pod, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're all over the place. We post every week. We post commercials every week as well that are pretty fun. We also have links to our merch store on our website where you can buy all our fun little merch. And maybe there's a, I mean, while we're recording this, this is our anniversary episode or it's our birthday. Uh, happy birthday. Um, So you can find some cool shirts there. Uh, hopefully there'll be some new shirts up there. And uh, yeah, just keep listening. Rating, reviewing, subscribing, supporting us. Tell your friends. You can tell your friends. Yep. One year in the books. We're in the middle of year two. We ain't stopping. Oh, yeah. Unless someone stops us. (laughs) Cease and desist. All right. Thanks. Thanks again. (laughs) Thanks again, Stephen, for suggesting the movie. Uh, Join us next week for Go. And uh, that's it. Uh, I'm Mike Field. Uh, Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. movie was god awful get off my plane <laughs> i can't remember what uh his uh, bad guy's line is that's really good you think i'm a villain i'm not a villain oh, it's not good man. because it's not as bad a good as get off my plane <laughs>